0: Welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig, and I'm Todd. And as per usual, I am recording my part of the podcast from my living room. Uh, you want to tell people where you are today, Todd?
1: <laughs> I'm in Singapore. <laughs> I'm nice. in a I'm in the uh, of the fourth floor restaurant of the hotel that we're staying in, which also happens to be outdoors, and they're playing. A lot of the top 40 American hits, (laughs) but there aren't too many people in here, so I don't think I'm bothering anybody. It's it's about 10 p.m., but I am a little worried about the sound quality, so if it sounds a little strange to you guys, I do apologize, but that's what's going on. (laughs) I got to say, I I wish I were there with you. I think it'd be a little bit more
0: exciting than being here in my living room at (laughs) 9 o'clock in the morning, but that's all right. (laughs) Uh, All right. Anyway, it's our favorite time of the year again. Uh, Fall has rolled around, and we are now moving into October, which, of course, means Halloween. And so uh, once again this year, we've decided to take a look at some movies that are set on or around Halloween and that definitely have uh, a major Halloween vibe. And so I just Googled movies set on Halloween, and uh, I was directed to a Wikipedia page that had a whole big long list um, of films. And uh, I went through and kind of picked out some of the ones I thought were interesting. And uh, I recommended for this week that we take a look at 2004's Hellbent which uh, didn't get a lot of attention when it came out. Um, it played some festivals first, and then it had a limited theatrical release. And it's a fairly typical slasher. It's a slasher movie. Uh, what makes this a little bit unique, um, not that there hadn't been a couple movies like this before, and and this movie, I think, kind of sparked um, a trend in, in uh, this type of movie, but what makes it a little bit unique is that All of the central characters, and pretty much all of the characters, really, uh, are gay men. And so instead of your typical uh, slasher, where you've got kind of a hodgepodge of stereotypical characters, um, in this film, we follow a group of gay men on Halloween night, young, attractive gay men on Halloween night, uh, at a Halloween party in West Hollywood. Did you know anything about this movie? Had you seen it before?
1: Oh gosh, no. I didn't know a single thing about this movie. I mean, and I could kind of see why. I mean, it it came out in 2004, and it's pretty micro-budget. I mean, it is a... a, You can tell it's low-budget, because it's kind of cheap, even though uh, I don't think it's a cheap movie. Actually, I I really liked this movie, to be quite honest. Um, I'll be interested to hear what you think of it, but you could tell from the way that it was shot and... uh, i 'll tell you you know uh, in about two thousand and four, uh, shortly before that I had shot a movie. I shot a movie in Japan, and I think I used a lot of the same equipment that these guys used i mean I, I guarantee you, they were using the same camera I was using, you know I can tell uh, and it was and it was shot on video, but they took a lot of pains to really make it seem like a bigger movie than it really is, uh, as far yeah. as production value goes you know there's a lot of cool scenery there are a ton of care of. Not a lot of characters, main characters in it, but tons of extras, really interesting settings. Uh, the lighting is really good and all that. Yeah. And it, it's not enough to overcome that, that shot on video kind of feel that it gets. But there are some moments when it's quite impressive and it really does shine. So this is the kind of movie that, you know, because it played in some film festivals and then probably went straight to video. And in 2004, we, didn't, we weren't streaming stuff you know, online, uh, there's uh, no question I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have heard of this movie. No, absolutely. Sure. Yep.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember where I first heard of it. I don't know if it was on Netflix for a little while or, or what, but I had seen it and it had been quite a long time ago. And you did,
1: you saw this before. Yeah. I,
0: yeah, I had seen it before. I I can imagine that probably I was drawn to it because uh, it was advertised as a, a LGBTQ movie, and uh, you just—I personally hadn't seen a lot of that in horror. You know, we've done—we're up to—I don't know—we're in our 140-something episodes, uh, and we've only done maybe two other movies that had some queer themes. And uh, I was trying yeah. to think back. Uh, I know we did um, Sleepaway Camp. The other one that I was thinking of, and it, it could be considered somewhat of a stretch, but um, Let Me In had some uh, kind of sexuality themes going on there. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the, I watched this movie again, and at first I was a little bit skeptical. I don't know. I, maybe I'll get to why in a second, but as we got through through more of it, uh, especially by kind of the halfway point, I was like, you know what? This is pretty good. Uh, It's actually a pretty good slasher. And by the time it was over, um, I was really satisfied with it. I hadn't really read a lot about it beforehand, but I went and tried to find some stuff, and I was a little bit disappointed because there really wasn't much info in uh, the IMDb entry. But then I went to Wikipedia, and there was some really interesting stuff there. And the thing that I was most interested in Uh, was its conception. I guess there were these executive producers who had had some, you know, relative success with horror films in the past, some of them a little bit more mainstream, like um, Halloween 2 and Halloween 3, some of them a little bit uh, more obscure. But these producers just had this concept that they wanted to make a serial killer film featuring homosexual characters. Uh, and they came up with this general concept that they wanted it to be on Halloween night, and they wanted um, these gay men to be pursued by a masked killer. And so they approached this openly gay art director, Paul etheridge Outs. They approached him, and he had never directed a film on his own, and he had never written a film on his own. And they tasked him with both of those things. And they gave him the concept... And he was interested, but he didn't really know a whole lot about the horror genre or the slasher genre, so he went and he watched as many 80s horror films as he could find, especially slasher films. Um, and he noticed trends, uh, and of course there are in these mm-hmm. types of movies. Um, yeah. But he he kind of uh, figured out the structure of the narrative and he realized that there were these stock character types, you know, the final girl, the ingenue, the slut, the tough guy. And so he translated that just onto uh, gay male characters. And really, that's what you get. They also uh, wanted this to be a movie where the character's homosexuality was blatant, but also not the central focus that it was just s- sort of incidental to their characters these were all the characters were all men who were comfortable in their sexuality and you know just went about their lives it wasn't a movie about them being gay they just happened to be gay yeah uh, and and it followed them and then it follows the pretty straightforward uh serial or or slasher movie where you've got this masked character who follows them around motives pretty much unknown, and he starts kind of picking them off one by one and even though all of the kills are pretty much the same this guy, he's this big muscly guy uh, and he's all painted up kind of like in this red-gray, he's dressed as a devil and he's got this devil mask on and he's really intimidating and uh, he, he doesn't speak they decided, there originally he had lines in the li- in the film, but they decided to cut all of his dialogue because they wanted to leave him as much to the imagination of the viewers as they could. They wanted the viewer to be able to project their own fears onto this character and they were afraid that whatever voice they gave him would muddy that and would yeah. uh, limit people's ability to kind of draw their own conclusions and, and whatnot. Um, so he never talks and the way that he kills the people is pretty consistent. He carries around this scythe um, and he beheads people and, and that's, you know, it in a- nutshell but i just thought that uh it was clever you know i i didn't necessarily pick up on how stereotypical it was especially with those stereotypical tropes of the the characters yeah um
1: but then having read that i was like oh yeah (laughs) I, i see what they did there it wasn't obvious it wasn 't obvious no it 's not obvious, but in hindsight, it kind of is right yeah, it is in, in hindsight, and maybe that has to do with the gender thing, you know, maybe that has to do with the fact that it 's all men in this movie like uh there isn 't a woman in sight, really, oh they're just like two women who are mm-hmm. like extra extras they come and they go, and uh, right. they don 't really have speaking roles or anything like that, and so many of those stereotypes that we slip into with those slasher movies are always they always have women in there too and there's often a lot of the gender kind of going back and forth like the women are weak except for the one woman who's a finer girl who is strong and some guy's a douchey asshole who's always trying to get in some other woman's pants and you know all this kind of thing seems to play so much on gender that when here when you have one all are men I think that even though like you said those tropes are in there they're a lot less uh, recognizable to us right on the face maybe they don't seem so familiar right?
0: Yeah, I I agree. The other thing that I found interesting was that uh, they wanted a racially diverse cast for the movie, and they put out, you know, kind of a cattle call, and they specifically invited uh, a large group of actors of color, but none of them showed up. And the writer slash director speculates that for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, cultural or or whatever, um, that people of color just weren't as comfortable playing homosexual characters. And so they ended up having to cast um, pretty much an entirely white cast which was somewhat of a disappointment, and and, and it's noticeable. I mean, you, yeah. you notice that there really aren't any people of color in the movie, which is kind of unfortunate, but it wasn't for lack of effort on their part, which I appreciate. Um, and it was. I also found it interesting that all of our main characters, who we'll get to here in just a second, were played by straight men. Yeah. And, you know, I think in 2018 that might be, ruffle some feathers, you know, there's a lot of debate about representation in films, Mm -hmm. um, and some people have taken some flack for for casting white actors in roles that were uh, conceived um, for people of color, and uh, so there's been some backlash, but, you know, with this little independent movie, I I don't think it really caused much of a stir, and uh, frankly, it didn't bother me at all. All of these men were comfortable kissing one another, mm-hmm. um, you know, being sexually playful with one another. Uh, I, I read that uh, the only complaint, one of the guys complained after a kissing scene that his face hurt because the other guy had five o'clock shadow
1: um,
0: <laughs> yeah. and and one of the characters is in drag the whole movie um, and I, I guess he kept falling down <laughs> because
1: he couldn't
0: walk <laughs> in the heels <clears throat> but it even worked for his character because even though he's a gay man I'm sure our listeners know that not all gay men are drag queens Yeah. so it, it worked for his character that he wasn't you know particularly comfortable in drag it was something that he was kind of doing as a gag for the night for halloween
1: yeah it was a halloween thing and he even said something to somebody else at one point like i don't always dress this way or something like that right (laughs) yeah so it did it worked a lot it worked well you know what i really really enjoyed about this movie and i'll have to say after about mm, 10 minutes i was like i think i'm really getting into this is because this is this movie for me anyway and now you can You can tell me if I'm wrong, or maybe you don't even know Craig, but this movie for me was like a window into a world that is Mm -hmm. totally not ever been a part of my world and and never will be, you know? Right. Um, It was just really fascinating to follow these horny gay guys around in one evening on this Halloween night at this party and them joking with each other and the kinds of stuff they joked about and the the places they went and the stuff that was on their minds and just I just more than anything I think I really invested myself in the characters because I really liked hanging out with them does that make sense? Yeah, and, it and does it was, it was interesting to me as a straight man who's just I mean, of course, I like mo- most straight men. I have have plenty of gay friends, but, you know, there's always going to be. It's just like going out with a group of women, you know. I'm always right. going to be odd man out, and they're never going to be their true selves or bear their selves or, or kind of, like, do their girly things with me there, you know. It would be right. the same sort of thing here, and so this was just really interesting to me. I don't know if the movie was accurate in its portrayal of what a, a night out, or if it was maybe a little exploitative or maybe just a little over the top. Uh, I don't know. You could tell me. Well, yeah, I I mean, I'm certainly no expert, and I'm really
0: pretty vanilla, you know. Like, (laughs) I'm a stay-at-home kind of guy. Uh, You know, I'm almost 40 years old. Anything like this is very far removed from my life today. Um, but I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. And, you know, I expected that that's what you would say. But I was talking to my partner last night, and I'm like, I hope I don't have to have this talk with Todd. And I said, and I don't think that I will, but I know that there would be straight men, some straight men, who would watch this movie and be uncomfortable, because Mm -hmm. there is blatant sexuality. And you've got men kissing one another, you've got men together in sexual situations, um, and that makes some straight men uncomfortable, which I'll never understand, because I... I'm gay, but I watch these slasher movies all the time, and I watch boobies flopping around, and I watch you <laughs> yeah. know guys and girls making out and having sex and girls and girls making out and having sex and it doesn 't do anything for me, but it doesn 't make me uncomfortable either and so i i, right. I just don 't understand um, how some guys and I know you 're not like
1: this, but how some guys get uncomfortable by that with that well kind you know of stuff. I- I think there was a time when I was, Craig. You know, when I was much younger, when I was, uh, when I was told that this was a bad thing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of grew up, you know, with that with that mindset that I had to overcome. And so when you're told it's a bad thing or that there's something wrong or unnatural about it, then naturally you get uncomfortable seeing it. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that's, that's where it is. And then being a man, you know, and that, like I said, just isn't a part of my world. I just don't have those kinds of attractions in, in the slightest. Although, you know, there are people, I mean, gender is very fluid and gender is, yeah. uh, is along a spectrum. You can be wholly attracted to women. You can be wholly attracted to men. Uh, a lot of people are fall somewhere in the middle. Right, right. In fact, a couple of the characters in this movie uh, yeah. are, are bouncing back and forth. And that's cool to see, too. The movie felt very honest to me. Uh, and yeah. like I said, maybe when I was a kid and watching this, this would have made me really uncomfortable. Now, as a 40-year-old adult, you know, a little wiser to the world, um, it was just fascinating to me. Because, I, like I said, it's a window. And it's, again, I'm sure there probably is a whole genre of films nowadays that are geared towards um, homosexual men, star homosexual people. Right, and it's kind of like a, like like rom coms for women, you know that kind of thing. But I've never seen one. I mean, i never have, and it's not because I, sure, sure, I'm not interested. It's just because it never has crossed my mind. And they're just they're not that you right. Know, they're not splashed up on the on the marquee, right? I mean, I think they're still sadly probably direct to video or direct to streaming kind of things for the most part. Until one or two of these gets real big breakthrough, and folks realize there's a big market for it, as I'm sure there is. Well, and some of those that you're talking about, there
0: are some studios that crank these out, and um, they're re- re- oh gosh, they're really really bad. I mean they're they're just they're just opportunities to get a bunch of very attractive men. Together, running around in their underwear, uh, and, and that's really all there is to it. And, mm. and so, just like in any subgenre, there's there's the good and the bad. And I would argue that this is pretty good, as far as representation is concerned. I think that this is fair representation. Mm. Um, I think that this is kind of a look into a world one that I have never fully been immersed in, but I know some of these guys. Um, and have known some of these guys, um, and when I was younger, you know, I was a little bit wilder uh, there for a little while, and the the oh what's the word? I, you know, it's it's not sleaziness or or sluttiness. You know, what people choose to do, you know, with their sex lives and their bodies. I am very much of the opinion that that's people's choice. So I don't have any problem with men who are okay with casual hookups and things. You know, it's, it's not my thing and really never has been, but, you know, there is that culture. And, you know, West Hollywood, they shot, I guess they shot like six hours of uh, Carnival at West Hollywood, and they only ended up using... I a, f- a couple of minutes of it, I think, but you can see it. it, you know, it's there and and this is real, you know, these people get together and they, they get dressed up and it's very celebratory. Um, there is a, a component of drug culture, but then I also thought that it was fair in showing that not all gay guys are a, the same, you know, yeah. they're, they're different, you know, mm-hmm. um, some of them are promiscuous some of them are not you know some of them dress in leather some of them dress in khakis and button down shirts you know it's uh, <clears throat> i thought it was fair representation and i thought that these guys uh, even though they are straight really were so comfortable that i appreciated their portrayal and i appreciated it not that there's anything wrong with gay men who are effeminate there's i have no problem with that but i think that that's kind of a stereotype that's used to denigrate homosexuals sometimes um and these guys even though they're gay and they kiss other guys they're guys
1: yeah they really are yeah
0: yeah so i thought that it was uh fair and uh the other thing that i really liked about the portrayal was our four main guys Um, Eddie, who I guess is the final girl, Chaz, who is the slutty one, Toby, who, (laughs) because he's, you know, blonde and in drag and is the really beautiful one, is kind of the ingenue. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Joey doesn't really fit the tough guy, but he's, uh, you know, into jocks and stuff like that. Um, What I liked about the four of them was that their friendship seemed really genuine. Yeah. And it seemed like they were really comfortable together. And that... Is real, and that is something that I have experienced, especially in college, um, where there was you know a, a tight knit gay community. You know, I had lots of guy friends, and we were very comfortable with one another. And yeah, we would date one another sometimes, and you know, other stuff sometimes, but mostly, <laughs> uh, you know, we were we were friends, um, and we were comfortable, and we were comfortable talking with one another. We were comfortable being ourselves, and I, I really liked that uh, about uh, the movie. And, you know, so that's kind of the socio-political stuff. <laughs> Should we get into the plot? Should we talk about it? I
1: feel like we need to at some point, right? Right. <laughs> well, the way that the movie starts out um, actually did make me uncomfortable, but not for those reasons. the The movie starts out with a guy running down through the woods, and it's dark, and actually... Talk about really good cinematography choices. I thought it was really cool that in this dark woods where everything is kind of black and white, he's running down inexplicably with a big pile of balloons. (laughs) Yeah, helium balloons, right? Bright red and bright blue balloons and he's being chased by uh, his friend. And uh, they end up in the backseat of a car. And they're trying to make out, but they also have these balloons in the backseat. And Uh they're starting to get pretty hot and heavy with it. And what made me uncomfortable about this scene was my God, you guys are old enough. You should not be in the backseat of a car <laughs> right. with these balloons in your face. It was just like claustrophobia. I was like, come on, man. Like, like I wanted them to get out of the back seat of this car just because it made me uncomfortable how c- crammed in they were and trying to maneuver around in there. Well, eventually one of them rolls down the window and, and uh, oh, he's got his shirt off. And the other dude's starting to pull his pants off. And he's, so he's uh, kind of sitting halfway out the window. At the same time, we're seeing some POV shots from the woods, so we know somebody's watching them. Uh, and then we see flashes go in front of the camera of a figure, and we see this, these horns and whatnot on the top of this figure. And we see that hook-side thing. And then as this guy is leaning back, uh, getting pleasured, as he's uh, outside the window, this guy uh, with a hook comes by and slices his neck, his head clean off at the neck. Uh, and it 's so clean and so quick that the other guy doesn 't even hear it uh, mm-hmm. until he what pulls him in or, or leans over leans out the window mm-hmm. or something and sees that his head is gone and at that same time coming around the other side the window gets uh, gets smashed, and we get the idea that he 's killed as well and we he is in fact killed as well what a great opening scene though yeah it was really good it really was and again it's like you can swap male for female here and it is an absolute trope how many horror movies start out like this with two people making out in the back of a car uh, and then they both get killed and that's how it starts yeah but but for this film, it becomes kind of a focal point because they're the first to get murdered, and the next scene is inside of a police station. And the, one of the guys, our main character, Eddie, uh, is sitting behind the computer in the police station clicking through wanted photos or something, And a woman comes up to him, one of the officers, and slaps some stuff down on his desk, like he's the detective, right? Like, Uh well, we got another couple, uh, we got got a murder in, it was a real nasty one this time, Uh, heads cut clean off, and here are the crime scene photos, and she slaps them down for him. And he, in the meantime, had also printed out a bunch of these wanted... It it looked like mug shots. Happy Halloween. Uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Fresh kills. courtesy of your friendly homicide department. Thanks. Hello. Oh. oh this is a nice lineup. Yes. You uh, planning on some personal time in the uh, bathroom later? It's star, very funny. <laughs> no from? Anyway, it was really strange because because again, you're getting the impression, I think you were meant to get the impression that he is actually a police officer. It turns out that he's just this girl's brother. Yeah, she's the police officer, and he's like, I don't know, hanging out in the police station, going through the
0: computer. I think he's a technician because she says something about how he needs to fix the printer. Oh, um, okay. The scene f- frankly was a little bit clunky yeah. because he's clicking through these he's clicking through these mugshots and printing them out and it's really unclear why I think that what this is supposed to do is to establish that he's turned on
1: by bad boys okay and so (laughs) i i thought it was weirder than that i thought it, it was it was strange because not only is he okay maybe turned on by bad boys i mean he's printing out these pictures okay i get that but then the fact that she's presenting him with these blood bloody crime scene photos that he also seemed kind of fascinated by i thought there was a a bit more weirdness there than that. I don't think it yeah. was, but it was certainly it was certainly the impression I got at the very beginning.
0: Yeah, it was odd. I didn't know what to make of it either. Um, but he ends up being kind of the, even though he's into bad boys, he's kind of the goody-goody of the bunch. Oh, yeah. And then in the following scenes, well, there's a really cool credit scene where, you know, it's all we get the credits, but it's shot against kind of this, I don't know, saturated red, almost like fire tones. And we see some of this footage that I assume is real footage uh, from from Carnival. And then uh, we just kind of get your standard introduction to the rest of the characters. The police chief who was the only guy in the whole movie that I recognized. Uh, he had been in a couple other movies. I don't remember. He was His name was uh, Ren T. Brown, and he was in Hellraiser 4. And um, I remembered him from a Robert Downey Jr. movie, Heart and Souls from the 90s. Oh, yeah. And he was a cop. Oh, yeah. He was a cop that in that movie, too. Yeah. The police chief asks Eddie to distribute these flyers, I, I, I guess, you know, looking for information about these murders or whatever. And so he goes around and he's hanging up the flyers and it's it's kind of goofy cuz he's wearing his dad's his this dad is was so a cop. dumb.
1: There's no way that they would allow this to happen, right? He asks him no. to hang out these flyers. It's like, "Who oh, can I wear my dad's uniform?" "Okay, you can wear your dad's uniform." And he digs his dad's uniform out of the closet. I guess his dad's dead, right? And then yeah. he goes by like a Halloween store and buys a badge and puts it on like this cheap plastic badge. It's kind of yeah. stupid. <laughs>
0: It is. And then he runs around town, like acting like he's really a cop. Like he's like (laughs) directing traffic, and, you know, it's (laughs) it's really pretty stupid. But he, as he's passing these flyers out, he uh, sees this guy outside of a tattoo shop, you know, this, you know, buff kind of motorcycle type guy. And of course, the guy comes out for a smoke without his shirt on because he's getting a tattoo. And um, Eddie's immediately attracted to him, so he goes over and. You know, goes into the tattoo parlor under the guise of he wants to hang up one of these flyers or whatever, and he's just staring at this guy while he's getting a tattoo. And eventually, the guy catches his eye in a mirror, and it makes Eddie freak out and
1: drop all of his papers, and he just kind of runs out of there. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait a second, though. No. Then there was that that shot of the blood kind of slowly dripping down. Yes, yeah. that, that coupled with the whole bit about the crime scene photos in the beginning. Still had me feeling weird about Eddie, like like he was Uh-oh. getting off on the blood thing too. I don't know. I fair again, enough. I it just it was just these little things. I was like, what are they trying to say about this guy? And and it wasn't <laughs> until it wasn't until a little bit into the movie that I realized I don't think they were trying to say anything like that about him because, like you said, he's the total goody-goody. It just was a little clunky. Maybe they were focusing on these things for other reasons. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No. I well, <laughs> I think that watching that that drop of blood run down this guy's back was an opportunity to highlight this guy's body. Oh, and like yeah. it was, it ran right down to his waistline, which you could see down just, just a tiny little bit. <laughs> and I, I think that's, I think that's what they were going for. But anyway, then they have a little chat, uh, outside the tattoo parlor and the guy doesn't seem to be really interested at all. And eventually he just goes off. And, and part of it's because Eddie's kind of a bumbling doofus, you know, and <laughs> trying to talk to this guy. Yeah. But then, uh, he continues doing flyers and he comes to this car where there are people having sex in the car and he knocks on the car window and you think that he's just doing his cop gag again. And this girl pops up and she's like, Oh no, it's a cop. Um, And she's like, I'm 18. I swear I can prove it. Uh, Meanwhile, this guy gets out of the car and it turns out that this is one of Eddie's roommates, Chaz. Um, And I I don't know. I, I, initially, I think I was thinking, wait, I thought they were all gay. And then... An, a, another guy comes out of the car, too, and it turns out that Chaz had picked up this couple um, in the diner, and they were having a three-way uh, in the car. Um, Chaz is the slutty, dirty one, but it's funny, and he play, he's charismatic. Like, that's the thing, like, all of the characters are kind of charismatic, um, so it's not like, oh, he's the slutty one, so I don't like him. No, like, he seems like a really nice, fun guy. He just like sex a lot. (laughs) They go into the diner and another one of their roommates is Joey. He works in there and their fourth roommate, Toby, joins them and Toby is in full drag and um, basically what he says is, I'm a sex symbol every other night of the year. This, tonight, I just kind of want to be left alone. So it's like i'm so gorgeous as a man i'm dressing as a woman so i won't have to like get all these guys away from me or whatever it's kind of silly but whatever it's a slasher movie and they're all having fun and
1: it's the one night of the
0: year halloween when you get to indulge your most perverse and twisted fancy and nobody cares jared reynolds <laughs> all i want that is so potential hey hand me my costume back here will you all uh, right so what about you chas Oh, you know me, man. Life
1: is meant for living.
0: And so they're gonna go to West Hollywood and they're gonna go to this big carnival and they get in the car and and they're just talking and chumming it up and it's very comfortable and natural and um but Chaz drives them Chaz drives them to the spot of the murder, uh which apparently is only a
1: quick jaunt through the woods to get to the carnival. It just so happens. Uh. <laughs> yeah. It just so happens. It's kind of weird that he does that. It leads to a pretty good jump scare. I think, um, where uh-huh. they're talking about it. And that again, uh, for a first time director is very clever. He's showing a lot of the window behind them which is uh-huh. kind of what you do when you're a little concerned that there might be something coming in out the window. And so as a viewer, you're kind of looking for it, and you're waiting. And uh, I think it's Joey, as they're talking about the, the murder, Joey reaches around from the back seat through the window to the front seat and, and grabs uh, Toby uh, right at that right moment and uh, freaks him out. And I, th- I jumped. I thought it was... I did too. To be able to put these tropes together so well that even if you can kind of see them coming a mile away, they're still effective. I thought was pretty good.
0: Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. And, and so then they're sitting there talking about it and they get out and they're going to walk through the woods, get to the party and they're, but they're like, Oh, well it's going to be our last chance to pee for a while. So let's all pee. And they all kind (laughs) of spread out in this clearing in the woods. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And, and they're, they're, They're peeing and, you know, just kind of joking with one another, and then Eddie sees that somebody is watching them from the bushes, and he calls their attention to it, and they all kind of gather together, and they all see him, and it's the killer. It's the same killer that we've seen, and we know that. Now, they don't think much of it. They think that this guy is cruising them. Um, Which for you straight (laughs) folks out there is, uh, you know, this phenomenon where, you know, guys kind of hang out at truck stops or in public parks and and they're looking for sex or whatever. Um, This is not part of my gay experience,
1: but I've seen movies about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, this isn't me but you know I've heard stories <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I'm serious it's not and my mom might listen to this and I don't want her to get the wrong impression <laughs> well it's so funny because at some point they're all taunting him and uh, then they turn around and they moon him <laughs> huh. and the guy runs away or something like that
0: he snuffed us? are you kidding me? four perfect young naked asses? who walks away from that? but they they think he runs away and so like they're pulling up their pants and you know zipping up or whatever um but then he pops up again like really close to them and it scares them so they take off running Mm. well and they also at first they think he's like playing with himself but it because they can only kind of see him in silhouette and they're impressed with his physique and this guy is a very you know good looking physical specimen and at first they think that he's playing with himself, but then they realize that it's the handle of his knife, um, and they they think you know now they know he's got a knife, and he pops up right next to them, so they take off running, and they get there, um, but you know it, it's almost like ha ha that was funny, no big deal. But then they realize that he's followed them there too, and they're still not particularly concerned. It's like they think that he's just kind of messing with them, or you know, maybe has his eye on one of them or something. Yeah. Um, and so they make eye contact with him. And um, But they, they go off and do their own thing. And Eddie ends up seeing his crush, the biker guy, going into this leather bar. And they hadn't been planning on going to the leather bar, but Eddie really wants to follow this guy, so they all go it's pretty cool inside you know it's all decorated for halloween there's lots of like bondage stuff and cages and guys dancing in cages and yeah. you know fake limbs
1: hanging from the ceiling and and then there's a guy on stage who is doing some gay metal rock rap some it's gay
0: yeah it's gay punk there was a there actually was a term for it and i, I don't have it in front of me so i can't remember but it was a musical movement that was going on at the time that the uh, writer director didn't really know about the scene, but in in preparing for this movie he found out about it and uh, he wanted to include it in the movie and there was this one band nickname and, the, and like that was the name of the lead singer yeah Nick name and the and the somethings so he approached this band to see if they would write some music for the movie and perform in this club and they did and I didn't know this until after, but the lead singer of the band is the killer. Like, not in the world of the movie, like, they're not the same character, um, but the guy who's the lead singer of the band is the guy
1: that plays the killer. Uh-huh, he's the same, a- he's the actor. Yeah. Right. Well, I was listening, uh, the only reason I went down that particular rabbit hole is because the lyrics that he was saying were so disgusting. They were. I was like, what is this? And so I had to look him up, and I found out this guy, I don't know, he put out a couple albums, and he's an ex-Mormon missionary from Utah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to laugh That's wild. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: I didn't, like, I, it, it the, what he was singing was very fast, you know, it was, it's very punk, and, and so the lyrics flew by really fast fast and i would just get little bits of them and i'd be like what like, <laughs> like i'm like clutching my pearls like <sighs> oh my
1: <laughs> your pearls that's great but it's a
0: it's a it's a fun
1: scene and i'm like, sorry this again is this whole leather world you know this leather bar and i wondered you know you know, one person we haven't really talked about yet but bears mentioning is joey his whole goal for the evening is to get this some guy's number and, oh and and he's he's the only one actually dressed in leather that was his costume yeah. for the night he's like the the youngun of the group uh-huh. or whatever that they're trying to take care of and Anyway, so he kind of fits right here at home in this leather bar, and this guy, Nick Name, pulls him up on stage. And at first, he's up there and he's kind of dancing. He's a little uncomfortable, and he kind of pushes him aside and he says, "Just go with it. Just go with it, kid." You're like, what is he doing? And two guys grab him and take him to this table that's out in the audience and lay him down on this table, and they have these giant fake chainsaws, and they're fake cutting him up with the chainsaws, and the chainsaws are squirting blood all over. Uh-huh. It's like sort of this like magic trick slash bloodletting kind of like fake uh-huh. bloodletting kind of leather bar thing. Uh, and uh, Nick ends up... Like underneath the table, and these guys, when the lights kind of go out and come back up, they're holding like a fake head of his up above right. uh, to the crowd and everybody it's just part of a, it's like a whole show it's kind of a whole show yeah. kind of thing and he crawls and out and it was cool away the I mean you know it's, it's very Halloween cool. and it was, yeah. it was
0: cool uh, it, it was fun now I personally wouldn't want that to happen to me no. <laughs> because I wouldn't want to be covered in fake blood all night long but if I witnessed it happening I'd be like oh my gosh this party rocks <laughs> yeah for
1: sure and there's also something a little sexual about it you know I've actually heard of some of these clubs when I moved to Japan the guy that, um, that I replaced at the school apparently was a videographer, and he would actually go to some of these, like, leather bar kind of clubs in Japan, and, and, and he was uh, tasked with videotaping the shows and things like that, and some of his friends told me some of this weird stuff that they did in these places, and it uh, yeah had me clutching my pearls, too. <laughs> yeah, I've never been to a leather bar. But this kind of scene, like, you just don't see it in these kind of movies. You know, you just yeah. don't. So it was, yeah. it was cool. It was very unique. Unless unless it's being presented as something really seedy. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Um, like, yeah. like the detectives will end up here like for a murder investigation. Oh, and like- everybody's really seedy and, and, you know, it's all smoke and shadow and... Yeah, like eight millimeter, or some really nasty. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But this, this I is mean, all it fun. seemed like it seemed they were having a good time. You know, it was it was a party and everybody's having a good time. And there were you know there were guys in leathers there, but it was Halloween, so there are all kinds of people dressed in different things. Yeah, and uh, everybody's drinking and dancing and having a good time. And Eddie finds his guy, who it ends up uh, his name is Jake, and oh. it, it's a little bit awkward at first. Um But they have, you know, a little bit of innuendo banter, and um, eventually, you know, they not hook up, but they're interested in one another, and so they're going to kind of get to know each other or whatever. Meanwhile, Joey sees the guy that he's interested in, and this guy, of course, is dressed in a football jersey, and, you know, like, he's got the... An entourage. The, the, and he's got, like, the grease paint under his eyes, like yeah. he's going to play football or whatever. And he's got this entourage, and Joey, um, who's kind of this meek one, like you said, like the um, he gathers up the courage to go talk to this guy, and uh, the guy's friends are really rude to Joey. Um, now, the 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 guy...
1: He's not exactly kind either. No. Yeah.
0: He's not exactly kind, but he's not as condescending and rude. And you can kind of see that he's a little bit embarrassed by how rude his friends are being. But he doesn't say anything. No. And so Joey just feels totally dejected. It turns out that Jake and Eddie want to go somewhere else. They want to go to the arcade. Toby is going to go along with them. But Chaz is going to stay back with... Uh, Joey and and make sure that he's okay, and so he takes Joey down to this bathroom underneath the club where it's there's not as many people, um, but it is kind of like the seedy bathroom where people are doing drugs and hooking up and stuff like that. But he Chaz kind of clears out the bathroom and gives him this little pep talk about how it's going to be okay. You know, we'll get you cleaned up. It's it's not that big a deal. And um, so he leaves him there in the bathroom and he goes out and he stands out there. Uh, outside the door, he's already popped one ecstasy earlier in the night, now he pops another one, he gets distracted by a hot guy so he, he leaves his post or whatever mm-hmm. meanwhile, Joey gets the impression and we get the impression that somebody's watching him and he starts looking around in the bathroom and just as he's about to open this one stall somebody grabs him from behind, it's another good jump scare, but it turns out it's his crush Yeah. Jesus Christ man, I didn't scare you
1: your friend told me you were in here I owe you my number yeah
0: sorry about before my friends are in a mood tonight and listen
1: we're all supposed to go to breakfast tomorrow I could ditch them if I had a better offer
0: um, and he gives him his number and he says I hope I see you tomorrow and he, and he gives him a kiss you know just a, a, an innocent kiss um, and then he leaves and Joey is so happy and so excited, and he's kind of jumping for joy. And then he gets grabbed by the killer and gets his head cut off. Oh, dude.
1: <laughs> this, scene, this scene alone uh, just made me, made me want to cry. I, I really, my heart went out for Joey. From the very beginning... Uh, okay, he's this guy, and then when he approaches this dude, I just felt so bad for him. He's in the bathroom and he's de- dejected, and then when this guy comes in and has his moment with him, I was so I couldn't be happy for Joey because I could see it coming a mile away. I knew Joey was going to get it, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, and I just felt so bad i it really touched me pretty emotionally actually yeah he was yeah the
0: actor was you know he's he just so kind of this good. sweet
1: unassuming little guy
0: yeah. and uh, it was very easy to feel for him um Ugh. You know he he felt very much like a little brother and and that's the vibe that you got from his other friends too, like Chaz you know is kind of the the slutty one or whatever, but when he takes Joey downstairs, he's just really sweet with him, you know, and he wants to comfort him, and he wants to tell him it's okay, and it's not you that guy's just a jerk, you know you're a great guy and, uh it, it was very genuinely friendly, and I just I thought that was a really nice touch to the movie overall. We cut back to the other three and Now that Jake and Eddie are, you know, kind of coupling around a little bit, I think Toby kind of feels like a third wheel. So he goes off on his own. He's like, I need a drink. I'll hook up with you guys later. And he goes off on his own and he starts drinking heavily. And, you know, it's funny because these characters are not entirely flat yes they represent tropes and stereotypes but they're not entirely flat this guy who is so confident in himself so confident that he would have to be you know batting guys away from him now that he's in drag and he doesn't look like his normal self he's not getting the kind of attention that he's used to and it bothers him yeah um it really bothers him so we see that and then we cut back to chaz who is tripping on ecstasy and he's dancing Um, In the club with the lights, and you know they give us kind of point of view so we can see that he's not necessarily hallucinating, but you know tripping. And um, the uh, killer approaches him on the dance floor, and and just basically starts not gutting him, but slicing away at him with his knife. And I guess the implication is that because. Uh, Chaz is so wasted that at first he doesn't know. Now, I don't think that rings true. I no. don't care what kind of state <laughs> I was in. I would notice if somebody was cutting huge gashes into my abdomen. But it's it, it's not like he doesn't realize anything is wrong. Um, he gets a look on his face, and, and he you know touches his abdomen, and he pulls his hands up, and he sees the blood. But before he can react, the guy cuts his head off, and the body just falls to the ground. Yeah. And all these people are dancing all around, and I guess... You know, we've talked about this before. Like if you're gonna kill somebody, Halloween would be a good time to do it because people are expecting to yeah. see Carnage around. Now this seemed a little bit extreme to me. Again, I think if I had seen this, I would have been getting off the dance floor.
1: Well, but, I, uh... I actually I bought it Hook Line and Sinker because there was a lot of strobe going on and this this was technically, I thought, a very well done scene. In that, when with the strobes, you know, we watched, uh, what, Hell Hell House, LLC or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh-huh. they did a similar... I mean, it's not the same, but it's similar where they, they worked with strobe and that uh, crazy things would happen during the strobe light, and I thought that that was very well edited. This scene also, extremely well edited and staged, I thought, to make it just convincing enough that on a dance floor, even though it's crowded, and yeah, okay... Halloween puts it a little bit a little bit higher that you know and about anything could happen, but I just sort of thought that the strobing aspect of what was going on would be enough to keep people distracted to keep people from really noticing so. what's happening and but but for us as the viewer, knowing what 's going on, it was still really effective. I thought, uh, and I thought it was well edited and uh, I, this was a standout scene in the movie for me, quite honestly. Uh, I was impressed at how this was done openly in the middle of the dance floor this killer thought he could get away with it and did and supposedly chopped this guy's head off and fell down and everybody nobody really ended up noticing right um i i bought it i actually bought it i thought it was good i guess come to think of it this
0: is still the same venue where they did the whole chainsaw thing so yeah you know stuff like this had been going on so maybe people wouldn't yeah sure so anyway, then um, he the killer has you know the two heads that he's collected so far in a bag and he's uh, meanwhile you know all this happens within like 10 feet of Toby you know Toby's just sitting at the bar but yeah. just like everybody else he's oblivious to it but he sees the guy walking out and he follows him out and he, it, this part was sad like he's yeah. just so desperate like he's throwing himself at this guy. Hey I
1: like your costume. You work out right I can tell. You play any sports? What gym do you go to? Well, you've got enough candy already? You couldn't
0: use a little more? I don't always look like this, you know. You superficial faggot. It's Halloween, Jesus. God, here, look. My driver's license.
1: It's not that, huh?
0: And and the guy comes back, the killer comes back and, like, touches his face and, like, smears his makeup uh, and stuff kind of in a sensual way. But then he just chops his head off, too. <laughs> I mean, it just – it happens really quickly. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Eddie is starting to get worried about Joey, and so he wants to go back to the leather bar to look for him, and Jake goes with him. And it's a crime scene now, um, which they don't seem to be particularly concerned about, yeah. which is weird. Jake's bike, I guess, is parked in the back and the cops are giving him trouble about going to get it but he sneaks around there and somehow he and Eddie end up on opposite sides of this tall chain link fence and the killer attacks Eddie from behind um, but just like hits him, doesn't... Cut his head off or whatever. So then there's this little chase in the alley, um, and I think that Eddie locks himself in like one of those cages from inside the venue that guys yeah. were dancing in, and the guy's swinging his scythe at him, and it and it the tip of it gets him right in the eye, but he has a glass eye. Now yeah. there there's been little things to hint at this throughout. Like he said that he had injured his eye like he had wanted to be a cop but he couldn't pass the physical because he had injured his eye so he had no depth perception and and stuff like that um but it was a cool shot you know i mean it's stupid because it is stupid it it physically wouldn't work this way you know it's not (laughs) like that glass eye is just gonna stop this scythe or whatever but it looks cool but the cops show up and uh, the killer runs away and then we see jake and eddie at the police station
1: and, um they're kind of shaken up but not really all that mild. I was gonna say it's just so funny because Eddie just sort of plays it off like he doesn't even talk about it which is so weird he got p- stabbed in the in the glass eye by this guy and he's got almost nothing to say it's like he's gonna go on Th- this was the part this was the one part of this movie that I thought was so ridiculous it didn't ring true at all you know he should be freaking out yeah, I mean they know there's first... a killer loose he just had an encounter with the killer he almost got him with a freaking thing and they just okay we're gonna go back to my house now he doesn't say anything well Stupid. and he goes back to his house and none of his roommates are there and like
0: you wouldn't even be a little bit worried like you know that people <laughs> were getting killed at this thing and your roommates aren't around like you're you, i don't know but i guess he's just too intent on hooking up and so they start you know it's flirty and, and they're Jake. you know yeah. Yeah, him and Jake, and they, uh, and Jake won't kiss him, but they're getting physical, and they end up in the bedroom, and um, Jake uses Eddie's handcuffs from his police outfit to handcuff him to the bed, and then Eddie said, or excuse me, yeah, that's right, Eddie says, uh, there's some condoms in the bathroom. So Jake goes to get some condoms. Um, and then he gets attacked by the killer, sliced in the abdomen like Chaz had. And I thought he was dead. And then mm-hmm. the killer starts coming towards Eddie and Eddie sees him and he's, but he's chained to the bed and he's trying to get out. Um, and then, you know, right as the killer is leaning over him, he gets hit in the back of the head and knocked out by Jake, who is apparently injured but not dead. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie squeezes his hands out of the, uh, handcuffs. handcuffs. Tends to Jake briefly, um, and then <laughs> Too goes to call nine one
1: one. Right. I'm sorry. This is where it starts to go a little off the rails as far as believability goes. And again, it's, it's sure it's tropes and whatnot. But Eddie just totally leaves Jake like he doesn't give a shit. I mean. He supposedly does, but Jake is is half-injured, and Eddie runs out of there into the kitchen to try to find a knife, and pretty soon it's just the Eddie show. And he knows there's another killer in there. He doesn't stay by Jake's side. Uh, He briefly tries to call for help, but, you know, it's it's 2004, and nobody has a cell phone, and, uh, you know, he has this, like, remote phone, and uh, he tries, and it doesn't go through, and then he notices that the actual... Bay Station or wherever those phones are supposed to plug into that they communicate with is unplugged. Anyway, there's this whole encounter where then he, he backs himself into the kitchen and into a closet in the kitchen and uh, into the door. And as he opens the door and backs himself in, a head falls down. and all Basically, all the heads of his friends are in there. And yeah. guess who else is in there? The killer who springs out. Mm-hmm. This is where it got really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It didn't bother me it's all that okay. much. I, it's the typical there, for this there kind some of movie. In- but, you know. It is typical.
0: It's the final showdown. And so, like, you know, the killer's chasing him through the house. He ends up back in the bedroom. He closes the door, gets it locked. Um, but then the the guy starts using his scythe to, like, chop the door down. So Eddie picks up Jake and puts him out on the fire escape and says, You'll be safe here. And then he goes to the top of his closet because it's where he has a gun. It's his dad's gun and he gets it. But then the killer gets in and knocks him down. And, So he drops all the bullets. Eventually, he gets the gun and gets it loaded. The killer knocks him out onto the fire escape, too. And they struggle. And the killer has him kind of, like, backed over the railing. And he drops the gun. The gun lands on the level below. And then, this part, the killer has him, um, like, pinned. And he comes in really close. And he sticks his tongue out. And he removes Eddie's glass eye with with his tongue. Which... I just thought it was so creepy. It was like, <laughs> so creepy, and he ends up. I, he ends up throwing Eddie over the side, but Eddie still has one half of the handcuff on, and the other half catches on the fire escape. So Eddie's just hanging there. The killer goes after Jake, and he kind of picks up Jake and is going to kill him, but Eddie gets the gun. He's hanging there, but he can reach the gun, and he grabs it, and he starts pointing, but we know he can't aim because of his eye. And the killer uses Jake as a shield, but Jake is saying, shoot, shoot, shoot. And so Eddie does, and the first time he hits Jake, or at least grazes him, Um, but Jake keeps saying, shoot, shoot. And so he he shoots again, and he he gets the killer right in the forehead, like right in the middle of the head on his mask plate. And the killer falls over. Cut to, uh, you know, a few minutes later, the cops are are there, the ambulance is there. Jake is on a stretcher. He's going into the ambulance. He and Eddie have a sweet little scene where Eddie's like, I'll be there when you wake up. And then, and so Jake gets put in the ambulance, gets taken off. Eddie goes over because his sister, who's a cop, is there. And she is helping to push the stretcher that the killer's on. The paramedic says something, and Eddie's like, Wait a minute, he's still alive? And the paramedic's like, oh, yeah, but he's a mess. You know, this guy, he's no more dangerous than a carrot. And they push him up onto the ambulance, and Eddie is looking at his face. And the guy opens his eyes really fast and looks right at him. And then opens his mouth in this creepy smile to reveal that he still has eddie's eyeball in his mouth ah. and so, so it's like it's like his his mouth is almost like a third eye with eddie's eye just staring out Dude. of it and then it cuts to black and that's the end i loved that last image i just thought it was
1: hilarious that was the best ending this movie could have had you know the whole movie had shades of halloween Because of the the silent killer. There was so much of it that felt like Halloween. I would say Halloween crossed a little bit with Jeepers Creepers. Crossed a little cross a little bit with Trick or Treat that episode with uh, the principal who was dressed up almost exactly the same way out of oh, Halloween yeah, yeah. running around killing people silently right in kind of a similar yep. fashion I mean obviously Trick or Treat I think came out after this movie and you know Halloween yeah, was before yeah. it and so obviously he was taking a lot from Halloween before this but and and then Jeepers Creepers by a little bit of the humor you know a little bit of mm-hmm. that humorous nature especially that ending Yeah yeah I just I really liked this movie and and I thought that the, you know the scene that you just finished describing where they were up on the balcony or the fire escape and uh, the, the epicness of it of him swinging there by his um, even though it was a little unbelievable of having his um, handcuff hooked over the edge. It still made the movie seem like a bigger movie than it is. I mean, this is one of those points where, yeah, they took this micro-budget film and just made it seem like a big-budget movie by this epic ending scene. And actually what uh jake had said was shoot me shoot me and uh, i think what he was saying to eddie was if you aim at me you end up hitting the other guy oh yeah <laughs> that makes sense because there was this whole bit which we didn't really talk about but like you said you know there were hints earlier about his eye not being right after some accident and he and jake had had this moment where he was shooting at the car- in, in the carnival at one of the carnival games where he couldn't hit anything but jake was right. you know, trying to help him aim so it was so cute so anyway, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was neat how that all kind of tied together. Very cleverly written script, well acted. I loved these guys. I loved spending time with them. Even though they were written as tropes, they felt fresh, they felt genuine. They all seemed like friends and I really really hated to see each of them die when they did die yeah there's so many horror movies most of them actually when i don't feel emotions like that at all and this movie really gave me those emotions in spades and i wasn't expecting it at all from this kind of film i was so pleasantly surprised
0: good i'm glad you liked it i did too and you know it didn't get a wide release it didn't make much money um but uh it was pretty much well-received critically. I mean, there were some critics who didn't like it, but it it got a lot of positive feedback from the critics, too. And, uh, you know, I think it's a a good movie. And I don't know. I read this that it kind of... Paved the way for all these gay slasher movies. Well, I don't know where they are because I haven't seen a lot of them. But but whatever, you know. I think it was made with good intentions. I think it was made to you know provide some representation to people who are not regularly represented or not represented in a serious way. You know, when, a lot of the times when you have gay characters in a horror movie, they're the comic relief, um, or you know they're they're very stereotypical. Um, and and this movie, I felt like you know, was making a real effort to just paint these characters as just people. You yeah, know, they're they're just people who happen to be gay, and uh, it's it's not that big a deal. And uh, I I liked that. I appreciated it. It
1: could have so easily gone into that territory where you know we're gonna make this about them being gay or whatever, and it absolutely didn't at all. And I actually really liked the relationships between the characters. And I especially thought that the Jake character, it was interesting how that transformed throughout the time. You have Eddie, who, like we said, was sort of the uh, kind of unsure, kind of pretty boy character, who's interested in this Jake bad boy guy. This, for me, was shades of the Lost Boys. Mm -hmm. Eddie the biker is kind of distant, kind of mysterious, even to the end. Is kind of mysterious and kind of um, kind of hard. Yeah, but I also liked what they did with his character
0: in that he, you know, it turned out that he had recently been hurt by somebody, and that's why he was so yeah um, kind of standoffish and like that he wouldn't. He was down to you know get physical with Eddie, but he wouldn't kiss. Mm-hmm. And and it was only after Eddie saved his life then they they share a romantic kiss. And so even that character was given some depth and I, I I
1: mean that's good writing. It is. It was excellent. And well acted too. Just really well acted. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well thank
0: you for listening to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw um, We will be back the rest of this month with more Halloween themed films We've got uh, a lineup already kind of set up But if you have any suggestions, still throw them our way Because uh, we're pretty darn flexible <laughs> <laughs> uh, If you liked this episode, you can find tons of back episodes uh, on our website You say it, Todd, I always screw it up twoguysred 40 you can also find us on Facebook, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere where you can find uh, podcasts, you'll, you'll find us. Uh, until next week, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. <laughs>